played so poorly, I was afraid I would give somebody a concussion with a foam golf ball. And uh, I, I did, man. It was, it was horrible the way that I played Friday. It, and it was one of those days where, you know, people were trying to console me. And if I wasn't playing with church people, I would have probably thrown my clubs across the pond or in the pond. I mean, it was, it was just horrible. I sliced it, I pushed it, I hooked it, I duck hooked it, I hit it fat, I hit it thin, I hit the ball almost everywhere, but rarely did I go in the fairway. I tried adjusting my stance, moving the ball up, moving the ball back. Uh, I tried adjusting my feet, how hard I was gripping the club. I even thought about doing the happy Gilmore thing, you know, and, and, and anything, man. I was looking for any gimmick that would work, you know? I, I just... <laughs> oh, yeah, there he is. I just wanted any gimmick, man, that would work. I just needed a good shot. I was struggling on Friday. You know, it's tempting when we struggle with life because we all struggle with life, don't we? I mean, we, we have days, don't we? Just amen, so I don't think I'm the only one in the bunch where nothing goes right. I mean, nothing, amen? Nothing goes right. And then you have weeks where nothing goes right, Amen. And then you have months where nothing goes right, amen? Some of you have even had decades where nothing's gone right, you know? That's kind of part of I mean, it's just, and it's easy in those times to want to go for the gimmick or the quick fix, to get a Band-Aid to cover up just kind of really what's systemically a problem with our swing or with our life. It's tempting to reach for the gimmick. I like what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Don't turn there because this is just kind of a, a verse I just kind of want to uh, share with you. But it says, you can enter God's kingdom only through a narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and the gate is wide for many who choose the easy way. But the gateway to eternal life is small, and the road is narrow, and only a few ever find it. I love a little paraphrase that I read about of that verse this week or those verses this week. It says, don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for the successful life, for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do it. The way to life to God is vigorous and it requires total attention. There is no shortcut to living life like God wants you to live it. I wish I could tell you there was. I wish I could tell you there's a, a quick fix to your swing, and there isn't. Tom Watson, who's kind of one of my favorite golfers, says this, the hard, unglamorous reality is that you play well because your swing is built on a solid foundation. When a pro has problems, it's usually because his basics slip. The hard and unglamorous reality of faith is that if you are having trouble in your faith, it's usually because the basics, the fundamentals have slipped. So today we're going to talk about simplifying the game, getting back to the fundamentals. And we kind of need that because the Bible's a big book, amen? Amen. I mean, 66 books, 39 in the old, and 
Testament, 27 in the New Testament, the guys like Abraham, Isaac, Melchizedek, Enoch, I mean, some guys we've heard of, David, some guys we haven't heard of, you know, and it's, it's just kind of a book of big ideas, big values, big commitment, big things, complex layering of theological truths, eschatological stuff. I mean, it's a big book with a lot of stuff in it. But if you want to get to the fundamentals, if you want to get to the basics, if you want to simplify the game, go to Matthew 22. Let me tell you what is going on in Matthew 22. The Gospel of Matthew was written by a guy named Matthew. He was a tax collector. He wasn't very popular because he defrauded people out of much money. But God saved him, and he wrote a book about the life of Christ. His purpose was to present Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the Son of God and King. So in chapter 22, the Pharisees, who were, who were a group of religious acting people who were not religious at all. Matter of fact, they tried to show their dedication to God by keeping rules, you know? You all know the rule, people, keeper, giver, you know, you got to keep this rule and this rule, this rule and this rule and this rule. Well, the Old Testament, excuse me, the Old Testament has quite a few rules in it. And so they were, wanted to appear so religious that they added another over 600 rules in addition. We know what God said, they would say, but if you really love God, then you're going to do this. And they just tried to impress people with their rules. And you were more godly, you were more spiritual by the more rules that you kept. Again, relationship we talk about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. That has nothing to do with keeping rules. Having a relationship is kind of like where it's at. And so Jesus, if you kind of read what he's saying, he, he kind of just stops the Pharisees in their tracks. Then you pick it up in verse 35. And, uh, and it said this. It says, hearing that Je or hearing, verse 34, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, and the Pharisees, they got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. And here was the question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, there were many commandments in the Old Testament law. Of course, we always kind of think of the Ten Commandments. And it was a trick question because if Jesus were to say, well, for example, you're supposed to honor your parents, that's the, the greatest, then honoring your parents would replace loving God, and that would become the chief primary commandment. And he didn't say, nah, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord that God in vain, because then communication and speech patterns and dialects and linguistics would become the, the hierarchy of order and the thing that's to be worshipped and watched. Here's what he said. He took all of the laws, he took all of the Old Testament truths, he took the, the words from the, the prophets and the poets and the historians and the kings, and he distilled them into very two simple truths. He said, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the first of the greatest commandment. And a second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, guys, boys, if you want to hear it, here it is. Come down to two things. Love God, love people. 
And then he tells us how we're to love God. With all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. And then love your neighbor as you love yourself. Treat others like you would like to be treated. It's a big book. And a lot of times we lose sight of the truth in it. There's, this is not a gimmick with Jesus. This wasn't some new truth. Matter of fact, just listen. You don't have to turn there. The verses will come up on the screen. I'd write them down. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5, taken from the first five books of the Bible called the Pentateuch. He said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength. Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 12 says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. Deuteronomy 30 and verse 6 says, The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. Wow. This is not a new concept. This is not new truth. Jesus Christ is simply distilling all of the Old Testament and bringing it down in two very concise statements. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love people. If your life is getting out of whack, you've got to check out your love relationship with God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. By the way, the word love is agapeo. It's agapeo. It means to welcome, to entertain. And, and, and that's not like being the comedian. That's like having folks in your home and being, showing the gift of hospitality and that kind of thing. To be fond of, to love dearly, to love dearly. We would bring that word dearly up to date in our culture, and we would say this, to love passionately. To love passionately. Going back to Matthew 22, 37 through 39, we're to love the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength. We're to love him passionately with everything that you got. And if all you do is come in on Sunday morning and, and, and just get a little a little goosebump or something whenever we're singing together and, and praising God together, you're missing it. It is with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. I'll be honest, very frequently, I got to check out my grip. I'm talking about my spiritual grip. You see, in golf, it's your grip that, that connects you to the club. And theoretically, this did not happen on Friday... But theoretically, the club then becomes an extension of your arm and your body, and you move as one, and you move in sync so that the ball is hit on a target line, and the ball goes where you want it to go. <laughs> well, that didn't happen Friday. But there are times I've got to check my spiritual grip. So to make sure that where my intended, that I go, where my intended target is. And my intended target is loving the Lord, my God, with all of my heart and all of my soul and all of my strength. And the thing that connects me to God's love and the power of the Holy Spirit is my spiritual grip. It's kind of what I'm hanging on to. It's kind of what I'm passionate about. 
It's kind of what, I, what I'm into. By the way, I, I don't have to be around you very long. I, can, I know your passion. I, I pretty much think I can be around somebody 10 minutes or less and figure out what they're passionate about. Some of you, well, you know that I'm passionate about a certain team in Columbus, Ohio. And there were a lot of you, you might as well, amen, I know it's true, you were really dreading coming to church when your team had 15 seconds left in the ball game yesterday, weren't you? It's like, oh, goodness, he's going to say something. You better believe I would have. I was going to drive to Toledo and get me a zip T-shirt and walk out here with it, man. You ever hang around grandparents? Doesn't take you long for them to start whipping out that iPad, that cell phone. They don't have, know how to work it. They got to grab a teenager to, shit, to show the pictures. They start showing all kinds of pictures. It doesn't take long to find out what you're passionate about. It's easy. It doesn't, it's not hard to find out what you truly latch on to and grip on to. And some of you, you look at your life and you look at faith and you go, well, it's just not fulfilling and it's not satisfying. I come to church and I read my Bible and I pray and you're just like the Pharisee. You're keeping all of the lists, but in life, practically speaking, you're grabbing on, you're connected to the wrong thing. So how's your spiritual grip? Gordon Dale said this, and I think he's right on. He said, most middle-class Americans tend to worship their work, work at their play, and play at their worship. And I think that's true. Worship has many different faces and many different facets. And worship happens anytime you connect with God. A lot of times we think, okay, here's the singing, that's worship, and here's the preaching. That's not worship. When in fact, biblically speaking... Singing is mentioned almost as, a, as an incendiary kind of activity in the local church, but it was always, the centerpiece was always what thus saith the word of the Lord. The teaching of God's word. Now, we believe that God speaks through the song or through drama when we do it or video when we show those or the God's word when it's preached, taught, proclaimed. But the truth of the matter is, in your ABF time, adult Bible fellowship that happens in your life groups before this service, I'm telling you, if the word of God went forth in that class, worship happened. When you are out in the lobby, fellowshipping, in your library voice. Everybody say it with me. Library voice. Say it with me. Library voice. Now, if you talk louder than that, we're going to start hitting you over the head. That's worship. When... If, if you were to go to the third, back to the third week in June, when I was at church camp with many of your children, you would have found them worshiping and singing and jumping around, and I mean just like crazy youngins, singing to the songs and just having a great time. Over on this side of town, you would have seen adults in this room with a much more serious tone, much more quiet. The music was much softer. The hymns were much, and the songs were much older. 
on that day, I believe I'm right in this, is that one of the pastors went to the hospital and visited with a, a person in the hospital and sang to them a song, you know that was not me. There were folks who had their devotions. And I'm telling you, in each of those situations, worship happened. But it's not that we do an act of worship, as Don said, as he was talking about Elizabeth Elliot. It is a lifetime of worship. Worship is not an event you come to on Sunday morning. Worship is not an activity you engage in when you have a devotion or a Bible study on Sunday or on Sunday night or, or Monday night or in your life groups, Tuesday night or Thursday night. I'm telling you, worship is when you connect with God and you are in the presence of God because you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And because you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you now have power with the Holy Spirit of God, all because you are connected to the holy, righteous Son of God Almighty, whose name is Jesus. And it's Jesus that you've got to have the grip on. It's Jesus that you got to be connected to. So when we check out our grip, man, we're to love the Lord Jesus Christ with all of our heart. That word is cardio. Sound familiar? Cardio. And the word heart is the center. It means, and every Greek would understand this. It was more of a Greek philosophical term that Matthew used. And the word heart, what it meant, the center the center of physical and spiritual life. It means the center of spiritual and physical life. Being rightly connected to Jesus Christ means Jesus isn't a peripheral issue in your life, that he is the center of your life. Therefore, worship is not some event you go to, but it is a relationship you gladly enter into. With all of your heart, the very center of who you are, the very center. Again, I can tell you, I can tell you what's going to happen. I, I usually stay up front because the foyer is just like a madhouse. So if you want to talk and stuff, it's easier to do it up here. The last couple of Sundays, I've been out in the foyer with y'all. And, uh, and you know what? What is, I, I, I don't see anybody off in a corner talking about something that they learned in their ABF. I don't see people off to the side talking about spiritual truth. Oh, we're fully engaged when we're in this room, and I don't know what it is, but as soon as you walk through those doors, woo, a flip is switched. And all of a sudden, all spiritual thought, all spiritual activity, all spiritual endeavor is now flipped off until the next time we come back in this place. I want to remind you that this place does not house the holiness or the authority of God. Your body was created to be the temple, the authority-bearing residence of God himself. So do you love him with all your heart? Is he the very center? Then the word psyche, with all of your soul. And that's the word psyche. 
It means the seed of feelings and emotions. And I'm trying to work on this because you guys know I'm not like the... But I'm working. I scare some of you to death. I give you a hug. You look at me like... He's been here 20 years. It's the first hug I've got. It's like, ah, what do I do? Just hug back. I'm working on it. You know, I'm trying. It's a seed of feelings and emotions. You know, worship is easy here sometimes, isn't it? Because we've got a great worship leader. I mean, he's just the best. Amen? Don? We got a fantastic worship band, don't we? Amen? We got a fantastic worship team. You know, there's so many of them now. I just keep thinking if I slip in, nobody's going to know. And the thing about worshiping with a praise band and a praise team in a setting like this is that really all you have to do is just open up your heart and, 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 and just let the Lord, the Holy Spirit, just Jesus himself just kind of touch your emotions. And perhaps this might be the easiest for some of all expressions of worship. Matter of fact, I'm always amazed when people I know who are not believers yet say the same thing that believers say. And they, they come and they cry like babies and, and they say, I, I don't understand what happens to me when I come here. I cry like a baby. I'm not a crier. And it's simply because something fresh, something anointed, something very God-centered touches their soul. I, again, it's not hard to figure out what touches our soul and just listen to the way we talk well the other one just makes us think how's our grip how's our grip funny thing about a golf grip unless you know what you're looking for you're never going to know what you look to look for it's the same thing spiritually. Unless you know kind of what to look for, you're never going to know what to look for. Several years ago, well, actually, it was when Byron and Hannah got married. They, uh, they, they gave me the gift of life. They gave me this club. And this club is a meniscus club, and some of you guys know what it is. And, and, and it's a double hinge thing that if you got a flaw in your swing, if you got a flaw in your swing, man, it will just break all over the place. And so the goal of this thing is if you got the right grip and the right stance and the right posture and the right this and the right that, all this stuff, is you go back and you swing through. I'm so glad that thing didn't mess up right there on me. <laughs> but you know, hey, you just start jerking that thing around and it just goes everywhere. You know? And, and this thing will detect a false grip Bad backswing, a bad follow through, man, it, it will detect a lot. Because it kind of, so it kind of got me thinking that I've got to be rightly connected to Jesus Christ. Let me get real practical because to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. That's kind of the theory of it. Let's, let's get practical. I have been studying Old Testament literature. The law, poetry, prose, the wisdom literatures, not so much the prophecy, but the wisdom literature books, the five wisdom literature books in the Old Testament. And, and it's really kind of been this enjoyable study. And one of the, they use a lot of literary forms to help us understand scriptures. And one is an acrostic. 
So I came up with this little acrostic for grip. And here it is. G is for grow. And if you're going to stay centered, if you're going to stay focused, if you're going to learn golf, man, you've got you to grow in your game, man. You've got to understand how to hold it and how to stay and how to do this. If you're going to grow, if you're going to stay centered and stay connected in the right way as a believer, you have got to grow in your faith. Amen? Now, I want to say this up front, and I'll say it, I say it before, but I am not responsible for your spiritual growth. Amen? Some of you looked at me like, well, if you're not, who is? You are. I can't call everybody here and say, hey, it's Sunday morning, let's go to church. Hey, don't, don't play with your phone during church. Focus, focus, people. That's not my response. My responsibility is to study and... and, and uh, Seek out and search out God's word so that we can apply it to our lives. And you've got to grow. Pastor Joe's going to come out in a little bit and talk to you about life, life groups. And life groups are a wonderful place where life happens and spiritual growth happens because you can learn and ask questions and pray together. And, and, and it's a safe place to share doubts and concerns. And, and, and just as we're all kind of these works in progress, but we got to grow. The Bible says to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. The word mind means reason or understanding. I'm telling you, there is much depth and richness in God's word. Study it. Say, well, it's a big book. I don't know where to start. Start with the Gospel of John. Start with the Gospel of John. It's a great book. Life of Christ stuff. Then go to the book of Matthew and read Matthew. It's great stuff. R is recognize your relationship with Christ connects you to the church. Your relationship with Christ connects you to the church. There is a grip in golf called an interlock grip. 80% of the golfers use this interlock grip. And the idea is that you make your hands kind of one unit, bonding with the club, which is one unit, so that you are all one thing. So it's not the club over here and your hands over here. It's all kind of one thing. Let me just tell you real quickly. When you accept Christ as your Savior, Jesus Christ, in the language of Scripture, is clear. He puts you and places you in a group. He puts you in a family. He places you in a kingdom. He puts you and describes our relationship as a body. An organ outside of his, a body is not a body. One block does not make a building. One person does not make a group. Let me just simply tell you that just, you cannot walk around and say, hey, my faith is a very private and personal thing. I know it is a personal decision, but faith is always lived out in a public manner. And you're connected to a larger group of folks so that together we're, we're a part of something that's much bigger than, than we are. I is simply instigator or initiate prayer. Be a person of prayer. Now, some people will say, well, listen, I, 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 I 
just don't know how to pray. I like what Chuck Swindoll says. He says, prayer is a realistic, spontaneous, down-to-earth communication with a living Lord that results in a relief of personal anxiety and calm assurance that our God is in full control of our circumstances. I like that. It simply means that prayer is a personal conversation with a personal God. Now, with that definition in mind, let's get blunt for a moment. Stop worrying about whether you're saying the right words when you pray. Stop fretting over whether you're embarrassed. Stop agonizing whether you're not. You remember everything you should be praying for. Stop comparing yourself to Billy Graham or anybody else you've ever heard pray before. And just just pray. Pray often. Pray short prayers. Pray long prayers. Just pray. Pray standing or pray sitting. Do it alone or do it with someone else. Just do it because prayer opens the door for God to work and it leads us to be more spiritually in tune with what God wants for us and what God wants to do through us. So you pray. And the P is participate and you serve. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 29 says this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love to entertain Love does something. You're never going to go forward in golf until you make contact with the ball. There has to be this activity of a swing to move forward in your golf game. There has to be activity in faith for you to grow in faith and keep the right kind of grip on your faith. So how's your grip? So how's your spiritual grip? Do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind? Do you, is he the center of your spiritual and physical life? Is he, the, is he the, the, the emotional part of you? Is it still touched by God? Or do you just kind of come to church and go, well, wow me today, praise band, or entertain me today, pastor. Do you go deeper in God's word to dig out reason and understanding and dig into God's word? How's your grip? How's your grip? Would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes for just a moment? Can we just be honest and and, and, and just a little blunt? Man, if you're here right now and things, your life is kind of like my golf game on Friday. Man, nothing is going right. Nothing is hitting straight. Nothing is going true. Things are out of whack. You're off-centered. It's out of balance. And as I've been sharing today, you realize that you're just not connected rightly. To our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so with our heads bowed, and our eyes closed. Would you just be honest and open before the Lord? And I wonder if you would just say to me, Pastor, just things aren't right in my connection to Jesus Christ. my personal relationship that I am responsible for. My relationship is not right with Jesus Christ. I wonder if you'd be honest right now and just raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to do anything to 
but I just wonder if you'd be honest right where you're sitting. Just raise your hand. God bless you and you and you. And many of you are raising your hands this morning. Let me just lead us in a word of prayer. A matter of fact, as I'm praying, would you just quietly stand to your feet? Nobody moving, nobody looking around. And if you need to come and pray, you raise your hand, God spoke to you, you just kind of need to come and pray. Then that's what I want you to do. You don't even need to listen to me pray. Why don't you come as we pray together? Our Heavenly Father, Lord, you're an awesome God, and we love you. And our desire is to be centered on you.